Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on DuckStream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. We have a really packed show for you today as it's now the final week of the NHL regular season. Just five days remaining and one week until the Stanley Cup playoffs begin. No, it's not going to feature the Ducks this year. But yes, it's still one of my favorite times of the season as a hockey fan or a sports fan in general. It's really hard not to love the playoffs. They're just unlike anything else. So I'm really looking forward to watching them and following along with the action. Now, the Anaheim Ducks have two games remaining in their season as we get into this week. They're hosting the Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday. And then the final freeway face-off on Thursday with the LA Kings. And the Ducks put up a fight on Sunday night this week when they hosted the Colorado Avalanche. Despite a Ducks third period lead, the Avalanche relied on their veteran experience and they forced overtime before eventually winning it 5-4. to four. Lots of takeaways from this game, so let's get to AD's takeaways now. And a lot of penalties in this one too, on the Ducks side in particular, Eight penalties they gave up. It's really not good for the team. Whereas on the other side, the Avs gave up just three. And to be taking those penalties against a team that is fifth in the league for their power play, just not ideal. And that proved to be true in this game. As Colorado capitalized on three of those eight chances, it was just a really frustrating ending for Anaheim. And you could sense that when you went in the locker room afterwards from the players Tough to see. Also, because the Ducks battled well in this game, they were checking and matching the speed of Colorado early, and they even outshot them 9-7 to in that first period. And additionally, it helped that the Avalanche hit the post on a number of their shots early in the game, but they came out a very different team in the second period. Now, like I mentioned a little bit ago, the Ducks led the game thanks to three unanswered goals through the second and into the third period. Frank Vetrano having two of those and Adam Henrique having the other. Now Vetrano eclipsed his single season points record from this game. He now has 41 points on the season, 22 goals and 19 assists. And he wasn't the only one to have a points record in a single season in this game. As Trevor Zegras had an assist on one of Vetrano's goals, it was his 40th assist of the year. And that got him his single season points record at 62. Last year, he had 61. So Z just keeps climbing. And on the back end, really great play from Luke Ostro Stahl in the net. He made some key saves, in particular, one in the third period with around six minutes remaining. A glove save when everyone crashed the crease and he managed to keep his glove out and in the blue paint. Very impressed by Dostal in this game. And then when the game went to overtime, it ended in quite an unfortunate way for the Ducks. An interference penalty was taken by Vetrano in the neutral zone on Evan Rodriguez. Just sort of an awkward play where Vetrano stopped and Rodriguez ran right into the back of him at center ice. And it was a devastating penalty as McKinnon then went on to immediately score after ending the game. Colorado, I would say, was mostly dominant in that overtime frame through the majority of it, but there were still some points where the Ducks seemed to get some life. 
ultimately just not resulting in enough and that devastating penalty just ending the game on a very sour note for the team and for fans at Honda Center. But now we can look ahead to the next game this week. The team will be hosting the Vancouver Canucks, as I mentioned, on Tuesday night. And it's going to be Fan Appreciation Night. The first 10,000 fans will receive a prize scratcher with the opportunity to win Ducks and Gulls merchandise. And then also at the Anaheim Ducks team store, there will be 30% off for all orange apparel just a lot of different activations happening for fans. So make sure to come on out because it's going to be an exciting one as we wrap up the season at Honda Center. And then as far as what to expect on the ice, the fourth and final meeting this season with the Vancouver Canucks, the Ducks unfortunately have not found success against the Canucks all season long. The first meeting was back in November. They fell eight to five in Vancouver. And then the next two were in the month of March and overtime loss on March 8th. And then the most recent game came at Honda Center back on the 19th of March with a close two to one loss. Now, physicality was the key in the last meeting between these two teams, and that's really what lit the spark for the Ducks in that last outing. There was a hit from Dakota Joshua on Troy Terry in the second period that resulted in Trevor Zegris and Ryan Strom retaliating a little bit. And that's what got the Ducks going in that last game. I'm thinking we might see some more of that on Tuesday. In addition to a lot of lineup shakeups as we're going to see an NHL debut. And I will talk a little bit more about that coming up soon. And that seems to have been a trend in recent games as we get down to the wire. Now, one player that you might want to keep your eye on in this game too, Adam Henrique has had three goals in the past two games since returning. So make sure to watch out for him and his veteran presence. The Ducks did have a few announcements this Monday morning, and let's get to them. The team reassigned goaltender Ole Eriksson Ek to the San Diego Gulls. He made his NHL debut on Saturday, April 8th. That was over the weekend against the Arizona Coyotes, where he made 34 saves. And then the other announcement that the team had, I just kind of alluded to it, the anticipated signing of prospect Jackson Lacombe to a two-year entry-level deal happened this morning. He was a very big part of our recent Anaheim Rising prospect report, and he just finished out his collegiate hockey career at the University of Minnesota as a very contributing defenseman for that team over the past four seasons. He just played in the national championship for NCAA hockey on Saturday, and unfortunately, Minnesota did fall a heartbreaking loss in overtime to Quinnipiac, but still an amazing experience for Lacombe and his teammates. Now, he was a 2019 draft pick in the second round, 39th overall by the Ducks, and he's from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And coming to Anaheim, he's certainly familiar with a couple guys on the team as well, as he played with Trevor Zegras and Drew Hellison for Team USA at the 2021 World Junior Championship where they won a gold medal. Now he will have his NHL debut, as I mentioned, on Tuesday with the Ducks versus Canucks game. And we talked with him this morning after taking the ice for the first time on his excitement to be here in Anaheim and to learn more about the new Blue Liner. Take a listen. Well, first off, Jackson Lacombe, welcome to Anaheim. I'm sure it's been a little bit of a whirlwind over the weekend getting here, but what are the emotions like for you being here now? Yeah, obviously it's, uh, like you said, it happened so fast, but uh, I'm just really excited to be out here and, and to, to be a part of it, for sure. 
You got on the ice this morning a little bit, getting your legs warm, and you were with Drew Hellison, someone that you're familiar with, having played World Juniors together and going beyond that too. Uh, what's your relationship like with him? Yeah, I think we're uh, we're best buddies. I mean, we grew up playing uh, summer hockey together actually in Minnesota, so we've known each other for a long time, and we train and, and uh, skate with each other kind of every summer. So yeah, we're best buddies for a long time, and it's really special to be here with him. Sure. Does it give you some comfort also knowing that he's by your side, at least in the very beginning? Yeah, I think for sure. I think kind of not knowing too many guys on the team, it's it's nice to have someone that I'm that close with uh, to be here and to have some experience with it too, for sure. So. And you signed a two-year deal this morning. Um, you know, what was it like sitting down with Verbeek and just talking to him about where he sees your future and where you see your future as well? Yeah, actually um... – you know, I haven't had the chance to see him since I've been out here yet, but kind of throughout the year, obviously he came to some games and, and got to watch me play. So we discussed that and, um, you know, obviously, hopefully being able to be a part of it for the years to come. So Let's go back a little bit and talk about your hockey career and growing up in Minnesota. I mean, the state of hockey, I'm sure it was very competitive growing up, but you also went to Shattuck, St. Mary's. Great hockey school, very notable alumni too. Um, was it always the dream, the NHL? For sure, I think, like you said, it's really competitive in Minnesota, and that's kind of the sport that uh, everyone there knows, and uh, we're kind of famous for the high school hockey tournament, too. So, uh, yeah, growing up there, obviously, that was the dream, and, um, you know, being around guys that had the same goal was, was special for sure, and uh, going to Shattuck St. Mary's, like like I said, it was everyone's goal to kind of move on and, and to play at that next level, so kind of the whole time I was there, it was, uh, it was always the dream, for sure. Who was the biggest influence in your life growing up playing hockey? I think for me it was uh, it was my dad. I think he was a coach kind of when I was a, a little baby. So being around kind of the team all the time and, and being around all the older guys was uh, my favorite thing to do. And um, just kind of seeing him and the example he set for me was was really special and um, you know always always drove me to kind of be better. So it was great. Were you always a defenseman? Uh, I kind of switched back and forth. I was a forward for a long time actually, and then I switched back in high school to, to defense, and then uh, didn't look back from there. I loved it, so it was, it was great. What about it did you like? I just like kind of seeing the whole ice. Obviously, coming out of the D zone, uh, you're facing up ice, and you get to see all the plays. And, you know, I always love passing the puck. So, for me, that was just kind of an easy thing to do, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So. so, going back to the draft year, you were the first high school hockey player taken in the 2019 draft. It was also in Vancouver, which is ironic as yeah. the Vancouver Canucks will be the opponent for the Ducks tomorrow and likely your debut. Um, what was that whole experience like going through the draft? And I'm sure there was a lot of highs and lows just like going, going through the whole process. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. Obviously uh, I got picked in the second round by the ducks and uh, obviously super excited right away. And um, like you said, there was a lot going on at that time. And then just being able to kind of grow and develop these last few years and then to finally be here, it, it definitely flew by, um, but uh, it was great. So I'm excited. And I heard you talking before that you have spent some time in California. Seventh grade? Seventh grade, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we lived out in Manhattan Beach, actually, because my dad, uh, his work is, is based out of L.A., so moved down here and then played with the, the Junior Kings, actually, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I had a great time out here, and I uh, kind of got used to living out here, too, so it was great. So you know a little bit about Southern California and how it is a desirable place to be especially like no snow in the winter time yeah. coming from minnesota yeah obviously it's a, a big difference and no pondock either so i was pretty bummed out but uh the weather's obviously beautiful and uh it's a it's a great living spot too so 
I'm sure the emotions then were pretty high when you got drafted by the Ducks. I mean, what did you know about the Ducks organization? Yeah, obviously, you know, they won the Cup in 07, and uh, obviously they had a lot of great defensemen come through here, uh, through here too. So kind of seeing Scott Niedemeyer and, and some of those guys, it was uh, really cool. And then kind of seeing the players they had now, um, you know, hopefully someday being able to look up to those guys and, and learn from them. So it was great. Who is a player that you looked up to growing up? I think for me, obviously, I was younger, and like I said, I played forward and D a lot, so kind of switched around a lot. Um, but uh, kind of the last few years, I've been watching a lot of the, the top guys, like uh, like Kale McCarr and and uh, like Heiskin and some of those guys. So they've been great. But I think when I was younger, it was uh, it was more like like I said, like Nina Meyer and and Lindstrom and uh, like Latang and, and some of those guys. So it was uh, yeah, it was great watching those guys. Have you met in passing or trained with any of these guys that you've mentioned? I have not. No, I wish I did someday. But uh, like I said, like Fowler and, and kind of some of these other guys here, it'll be great to be able to play with them and, and get to learn from them too. So, And you went to the Minis- University of Minnesota, staying in your home state, which is pretty special too, I'm sure. Um, so going through your years, your your point total increased over the years, but what was your focus as you went into your senior season? Yeah, I think for, for me and the whole group, it was uh, to win at the end of the year, and, and that's something that you know we all wanted to do, and um, that was kind of our focus the whole time was, was coming together and, and winning at the end of the year, and unfortunately, we just fell you know, really short, and uh, yeah, we were all kind of sad and bummed out about that, but it was, a, it was a really fun year, for sure. Developing and playing in the Big Ten, what was that experience like? Yeah, obviously every team in there is is really good, really skilled, really talented, and they all work their butts off. So, you know, it's a great conference in college hockey, and I think kind of this past year it was definitely uh, a top conference. And um, so being able to play against so many other guys that have, uh, you know, like a future in, in hockey and stuff was, uh, was really fun, and it was great. Did you think at all about this next step when you were at Minnesota this season? I think I did kind of towards the, the middle and the end of the year. I think, um, you know, I was – I was playing great hockey and um, started talking to Rubik and some of the guys and, and saw that I had the opportunity to come out here. So, yeah, it was towards the end of the year, I started to think about it a little bit, yeah. And when you were at the Frozen Four this year, I mean, it's the top thing in college hockey. It's a yeah. really exciting event down in Tampa Bay. Um, what was that whole weekend and the playoffs and everything, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it's special, obviously. Uh, it was it was great, um, you know, seeing all our fans out there, and like I said, it was our goal the whole year to be there, and um, so that experience, I think, for for anyone is, is so crazy, and, you know, growing up in Minnesota, watching the Gophers play in the Frozen Fours and winning the national championship, it was always something you wanted to, to be a part of, and, and just to be there and, and be that close, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, but uh, also sad at the same time, so. Did you have any family there? Yeah, it was uh, my two sisters and my parents were actually there, and then, um, a few family friends too so it was it was great so the game ended saturday did you go home and then come out here to california yeah we our team flew straight back to to minnesota and then actually flew out right after that um to la so it was was a really quick turnaround but uh yeah i did get much sleep either did you have time to pack (laughs) like an hour or so basically (laughs) so not much time but yeah it was uh it was all right yeah was that plane ride a little bit of time for you to process this experience and coming out here now yeah I think the first plane ride I was obviously bummed out and sad to be with the team uh and then the next one kind of being able just to move on and and focus on uh you know what I could do this week to contribute and 
uh, kind of moved past kind of that sad spot. So, yeah. Now, another person that you're going to be playing with, Trevor Zegras, he was a part of the World Juniors team, too. What is your relationship like with him? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being able to meet him um, in a few past tournaments in summer hockey before that and then being able to play with him, um, it's been great. And uh, obviously he's such a high-talented and uh, a really good player, so just kind of be able to know him and um, play with him for me was really special. So. Now, looking at your game, what is something that you want Ducks fans to know about how you play? Yeah, I think for me, just kind of competing and you know being able to contribute on both both ends of the ice is something that I I try and do. And uh, I think for me, just kind of contributing and and helping you know the team to win the best I can is is what I want to do. So. And being around some of these veteran defensemen here, but also a lot of younger guys as well, how do you think that's going to help you in your transition? I think, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think, uh, you know, they're going to be really kind of communicative and uh, definitely help me out in some areas that I would need help with and kind of point things out for me. So I think it's great that, uh, you know, there's guys with experience here and also some younger guys to kind of share that same, uh, you know, newness kind of feel with as well. So. What has head coach Dallas Aikens shared with you since you've been here? I saw he was chatting with you on the ice this morning when you were skating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just telling me that uh, you know, I'll be be ready to go for tomorrow, and um, you know, just to kind of play play the game and and uh, uh, have fun too. So, uh, you know, it's just great that he's uh, talking to me like that for sure. Will anyone be here for your debut? Yeah, both my parents are coming out, actually, my mom and dad. So, yeah, they're really excited. Yeah. Florida to California. A lot yeah. of travel. <laughs> yeah, a lot of travel for them, too. So, no, it should be great. Yeah. Jackson, welcome to Anaheim, and good luck in your debut, and we're happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. Really excited for Jackson to take the ice in the Ducks lineup on Tuesday night. Now let's go coast to coast with goal calls from around the NHL over the busy weekend that it was as we wrap up this season. A lot of important things happening around the NHL and a lot to get to, starting with the Boston Bruins and Philadelphia Flyers game on Sunday. History was written when the Bruins took down the Flyers 5-3 to and they officially got the most wins in a season as they notched their 63rd win of the year to break a 27-year-old record. An absolutely amazing season for Boston. And they just have so much depth all through their lineup. They are looking pretty unstoppable. The team has 131 points, and they're just one point away from matching the most standing points record in a single season. So a lot of records have been broken in Boston this year. Now, David Pasternak had a four-point game on Sunday, including a hat trick that helped the Bruins on their way to their victory. His third goal coming just 39 seconds into the third period. And it was also his 60th of the year. He's only the second player in the league to get to that 60-goal mark. McDavid being the other one, he is just four ahead And also important to note, Pasternak is far beyond his single season high in points as he is 104 right now. You can hear the call from Judd Surratt of Pasternak's goal and then the end of the historic moment for the Bruins in that game. Sandheim over the line, left side, Farabee wings into the slot, picked up by Lindholm. Here's Pasternak, two on one, over the line, right side to Bertuzzi. Pasternak shoots, he scores! That's the hat trick 
60 goals for David Pasternak. He's the first Boston Bruin to do it since Phil Esposito in 1974-75 and the 23rd all-time in NHL history to reach that elite mark. The puck sent wide, Konechny knocked down. Stick handles and looks with five. Nosek wedged it to the near side. They have shattered the record. The Boston Bruins have notched their 63rd win of the season. That's the new standard in National Hockey League history. David Pasternak with a hat trick and four points today. He notches his 60th goal of the season as the Bruins cascade off the bench to celebrate with Jeremy Swayman here in Philadelphia. Your final, Bruins five and the Flyers three. Let's go back to Saturday when the Florida Panthers took on the Washington Capitals and the Panthers took down the Caps 4-2. to two. Florida is on a six-game winning streak, their longest of the season, and they're getting hot at the right time as they have 91 points in the first spot in the Eastern wildcard race right now. Matthew Kachuk broke the tie in this game with just one minute remaining in the game when the Capitals goalie Charlie Lindgren turned the puck over in their zone. And the game was Kachuk's 14th game with at least four points this season, which is the most in one season in Panthers franchise history. Now, on the back end, too, with their goaltender Alex Lyon, he was named the third star of the week with a 9.59 save percentage through the set of games over that past week. And the team has a chance to clinch a playoff spot if they can beat the Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday night in regulation or overtime. And then they also need the New York Islanders to lose to the Washington Capitals in regulation. A lot of things happening in order for the Panthers to clinch that spot tonight. Doug Plagans shared the excitement of Kachuk's goal from Capital One Arena. Markov dumps it into the Capitals zone. Lindgren, the netminder to play it. Can't clear it himself. Kachuk along. Shot, he scores! He scores from along the boards! Matthew Kachuk! He intercepted the goaltender's clearing attempt. He put it on net and he scores. And the Panthers take a 3-2 lead with one minute to play. The Winnipeg Jets shut out the Nashville Predators on Saturday 2-0 at home. And why was this win significant? Well, they hold the upper hand now for the Western Conference wildcard race. And the loss really hurt Nashville's chances as they are now three points back whereas Calgary is just in front of them, just two points ahead. And another player hit the 40-goal mark of his season as Mark Shifley netted number 40, 15 minutes and six seconds into the second period, taking it right down the middle, putting it past UC Saros in the net. The Jets have three games this week remaining to hang on to their lead, while the Calgary Flames are right behind them with just two left, including a matchup with the Nashville Predators on Monday night. So that'll be an interesting one to watch tonight. You can listen to Paul Edmonds call goal number 40 for number 55. With the line again for Morrissey. Onto the far side for Shifley. Up top, Nemesnikov dropped it for Shifley. Rotates high slot right down Main Street. Shooting. Score! Mark Shifley with his 40th of the year. And it's 1-0 Winnipeg.
And then going back to the other wild card race, this time in the East, the Pittsburgh Penguins taking a five to one win over the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday, a very urgent Penguins team needing that win. And they're happy to have gotten it, keeping their playoff hopes alive as we get down the wire. The Penguins were led by their captain, Sidney Crosby, in this one who had three points, two goals and an assist. He also became the 15th player in NHL history with 1,500 career points. And he did it the sixth fastest in history at just 1,188 games played. Now, his second goal of the game came on a snipe on the power play three minutes into the third period off a pass from Chris Letang. And this was the one to earn him the 1,500 mark. Hear the call from Josh Getzoff of Penguins Radio. Rolls back behind the cage. Suter turns it over to Crosby. Left wing corner. Passes to the point for Letang. Feeds Crosby at the left circle. He'll rip it. Scores! And shine that spotlight on Sid. The 15th player to 1,500 points in NHL history. What a moment in Motown. And the Penguins go up 4-1. Now, Pittsburgh will play the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets this week, while the New York Islanders have the Washington Capitals and Montreal Canadiens on their slate. It's going to be a really close race between those two teams. The Islanders holding the advantage into today, that being Monday, by just one point after they also won on Saturday 4-0 over the Flyers. So when we look at the playoff picture, much of it, still isn't yet determined, at least on the matchup side of things. And we'll learn more this week as the games shape out. But we know for certain right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning will be meeting in the first round. That is going to be an unbelievable matchup. Really excited to see that one. Now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show To wrap things up today, make sure to get your tickets for our Fan Appreciation Night on Tuesday against the Canucks. And then also, you aren't going to want to miss the Freeway Face-Off, our final game for the Anaheim Ducks on Thursday. And if you're coming to it, wear orange. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more Hockey Talk on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.